Welcome to Harmonia. I'm Angela Mariani, inviting you to join me for the next hour as today's performers of medieval Renaissance and Baroque music bring to life the music of the distant past. This hour, it's the end of the world as we know it. We'll hear movements from a mass for the end of time, sample 9th century Frankish music on similar apocalyptic themes, and explore some of the earliest polyphony ever sung. Take a quick look back in time. We spun the wheel and it landed on 1474. In March, Italian religious leader Angela Merici was born. It's likely that events from her tragic and tumultuous childhood compelled her to become a nun in early adulthood. Orphaned at the age of 10, she and her older sister Gianna Maria were sent to reside with their uncle. Not long after, Gianna Maria suddenly died without receiving last rites. Heartbroken, Merici joined the Third Order of St. Francis and prayed fervently for her deceased sister's soul. Throughout the remainder of her life, Merici worked for better Christian educational opportunities for girls. She established two schools for girls in Desenzano and Brescia, and in 1535 she founded the Order of Ursulines. Legend tells of her travels to the Holy Land, during which she was struck blind but relieved by prayer. Italian poet Ludovico Ariosto, author of the epic poem Orlando Furioso, was born in September 1474. At first, Ariosto's path to success seemed regularly thwarted. As the oldest child in his family, he was obligated to study law rather than pursue his love of literature and poetry. Regardless, Ariosto found time to compose comedies and lyrical works. His efforts eventually attracted the attention of Cardinal Ippolito d'Esta, who became Ariosto's patron and invited him to reside at the house of d'Esta. According to the poet, this period of service was one of exploitation and poor compensation. When dismissed by the cardinal, Ariosto worked for his brother Alfonso. Ariosto met better treatment and, by that time, had secured a reputation as a gifted writer and competent statesman. Also born in 1474 was Isabella d'Esta, a woman of renowned learning and a formidable leader who inspired a generation of artists. Isabella was a precocious child who could recall entire works by Greek authors. She also regularly debated principles of governance while traveling between Naples and Mantua. This breadth of knowledge became invaluable when Isabella's husband, Francesco Gonzaga, was captured by Venetian forces in 1509. Isabella took command of Mantua's armies and saw to the city's protection until her husband's release. When Gonzaga returned, knowledge of his wife's competence made him jealous. Following marital discord, Isabella found herself free to travel and live independently. She did so until her husband's death in 1519. Finally, 1474 marks the year of Guillaume Dufay's death. The composer is well known for his command of the compositional technique known as isorhythm, his extensive use of faux bourdon, and the influence he held over future generations of Franco-Flemish composers. 
Less well-known is Dufay's purported role as music theorist. 19th-century musicologist François-Joseph Fétis reported seeing a 16th-century copy of Dufay's treatise on musical meter in a London bookshop. However, since then, no evidence of Dufay's theoretical writing has been found. This has been a glimpse back in time to the year 1474. I'm Angela Mariani. You can find more about the people, events, and music from this era online in our blog section, along with early music t-shirts, totes, and books in our gift store. Find it all at harmoniaearlymusic.org. According to Reuters, one in ten people worldwide believe the end of the world could happen in 2012, as signified by the end of the Mayan calendar. With that in mind, it's fascinating to read the images of Armageddon and Apocalypse that were written at the turn of the year 1000, and to think about how similar they are in some ways to our 21st century visions of the end of the world. And to think about the fact that many conflagrations that trouble our imaginations now are created by the hand of humanity global warming, for example, rather than divine intervention, although that plays into our millennial visions as well. People in medieval Europe lived in anticipation of the apocalypse, and on this edition of Harmonia we'll explore some medieval music on this theme from two separate recordings. Back in 2000, remember Y2K, Anonymous 4 released the recording 1000, A Mass for the End of Time, a collection of medieval music for the Ascension. Sometimes music can really take you to another place, and I'm going to ask you to be open to that idea. The place is actually a time, the turn of the previous millennium. Imagine, first of all, how incredibly quiet it would be. Take away the traffic noise, the background hum of a billion appliances, the ever-present music coming at us in every store and office. Imagine what it would be like to hear music if you heard it very infrequently and then, always unamplified and live, coming out of that immense quiet. Imagine also then that you don't know the earth is round. You don't know how diseases spread. Thunder and lightning are magical. The woods are full of spirits. The nights are as black as pitch, and you're worried about the fact that the year 1000 might bring the end of the world. This chant, called Udici Sinium, gives a graphic description of the end of the world, foretold by
by the prophetic oracles known as sibyls.
Udici Sinium, the prophecy of the early medieval Christian sibyls, foretelling the end of the world, sung there by Anonymous Four from their recording, One Thousand, a Mass for the End of Time. You can become a fan of Harmonia Early Music on Facebook or follow our updates all week long on Twitter. Just search for Harmonia Early Music. Time scenarios exist in writings from most of the major world religions and many mythologies, as well as epic poetry. In 2007, the ensemble Sequencia developed a program of medieval music drawing from stories, or fragments of stories, in sources as wide-ranging as early Christian texts, the Eddas of Old Iceland, Beowulf, and more. One particular 9th-century Frankish sequence, Fortis Atque Amara, speaks to man's terror of eternal damnation. Beginning with prophecy, full of might and bitter that day shall be, on which all things shall perish, the sequence's prediction of a judgment day joins with a fervent prayer for heavenly salvation, pleading, Do not let us go into hell's loathsome places, the dwellings of the devils. No, lead us to the angels' realms. Oh, 
apocalyptic Frankish songs and sequences, Sequencia performed Fortis Atque Amara and Scalam Ad Celos from their recording Fragments for the End of Time. Be it in the year 1000 or 2000, many end-of-the-world visions, no matter how apocalyptic, ended with some kind of paradise or new world order following Armageddon. Here, the members of Anonymous 4 intone a reading from Revelations, or Apocalypse, as it's also called. This is the passage that begins, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven.
The foundation jewels of the New Jerusalem rise up from the ashes of the apocalypse in a medieval hymn sung by Anonymous Four from their CD 1000, A Mass for the End of Time. You're listening to Harmonia, a program of early music that comes to you from the studios of WFIU at Indiana University. Partial support for Harmonia comes from Penco Incorporated of Bedford, Indiana. Partial support also comes from Early Music America, publisher of Early Music America magazine, on the web at earlymusic.org. I'm Angela Mariani. back. Stories about the end of the world weren't the only things emerging as the first millennium grew near. Musicians began ornamenting plain chant. They did so by improvising new melodies to fit with the old. Such a melody could be a member of the plain chant repertoire, a secular tune, or something made up on the spot. The pre-existing melody and the new voice moved either at the same or different speeds. This resulted in some of the earliest polyphony known to us today. Now, early music performers explore these improvisatory practices to create new polyphony, just as their predecessors did in the Middle Ages.
We heard Ensemble Organum's performance of O Primus Homo Coruit. Before that, Sequencia sang their rendition of Lux Refulget, and the group Discantus, directed by Bridget Lynn, performed the Benedicamus Domino trope, Chorus Nove Jerusalem. You can find hundreds of archived episodes, playlists, and podcasts online at harmoniaearlymusic.org.
Our featured release, Ensemble Organums, sings a requiem mass attributed to both Antoine de Fevin and Antonius de Vitus. It's difficult to make a definite attribution, which is often true in Renaissance music. In this case, Fevin's name accompanies the mass in two of its five surviving sources. De Vitus's name appears alongside it in one. Some believe that the Mass was composed for Anne of Brittany's funeral in 1514. If so, Antonius de Vitis is more likely its composer, because Fevin died in 1512, while de Vitis lived until 1530.
A Requiem Mass for Anne of Brittany, Ensemble Organum, directed by Marcel Perez, sang the Sanctus and Tantum Ergo Sacramentum on the 2012 recording Divitis et de Fevin, Lux Perpetua Requiem. Interested in expanding your own early music collection? Each week, we review recordings new and old on the Harmonia Early Music Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or at harmoniaearlymusic.org. Support for Harmonia is made possible in part by the Crystal DeHaan Family Foundation, serving organizations in central Indiana and recognizing the children and families of Crystal House International. Additional resources come from the William and Gail Cook Music Library at the Indiana University Jacobs School of Music. We welcome your thoughts about any aspect of this program. You can leave a comment or question anytime by visiting harmoniaearlymusic.org and clicking on Contact. The writers for this edition of Harmonia were Laura Osterlin and Angela Mariani. Thanks to our studio engineer Mike Pashkash and our staff, David Wood, John Bailey, Janelle Davis, Anna Coogan, Wendy Gillespie, and Luann Johnson. Additional technical support comes from KTTZ at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas. Harmonia is a production of WFIU and part of the educational mission of Indiana University. Carrie Boyce is our executive producer, and I'm Angela Mariani, inviting you to join us again for the next edition of Harmonia.